reticent and more human than anywhere else. On the upper floor of the Northumberland Avenue establishment, there is an isolated corner where two couches lie side by side. And it was on these that we lay upon, September the 3rd, 1902, the day when my narrative begins. I asked him whether anything was stirring, and for answer he had shot his long, thin, nervous arm out of the sheets which enveloped him, and had drawn an envelope from the inside pocket of the coat which hung beside him. It may be some fussy, self-important fool, or it may be a matter of life and death. Holmes handed me the note. I know no more than the message tells me. It was from the Carlton Club and dated the evening before, and this is what it read. Sir James Damery presents his compliments to Mr. Sherlock Holmes, and will call upon him at 4.30 tomorrow. Sir James begs to say that the matter upon which he desires to consult Mr. Holmes is very delicate, and also very important. He trusts, therefore, that Mr. Holmes will make every effort to grant this interview, and that he will confirm it over the telephone to the Carlton Club. I need not say that I have confirmed it, Watson, said Holmes as I returned the paper. Do you know anything of this man, Damery? Only that his name is a household word in society. Well, I can tell you a little more than that. He has rather a reputation for arranging delicate matters, which are to be kept out of the papers. Do you remember his negotiations with Sir George Lewis over the Hammerford Will case? He is a man of the world with a natural turn for diplomacy. I am bound, therefore, to hope that it is not a false scent, and that he has some real need for our assistance. Our Holmes? Well, if you will be so good, Watson. I shall be honoured. Then you have the hour, 4.30. Until then, we can put the matter out of our heads. I was living in my own rooms in Queen Anne Street at the time, but I was round at Baker Street before the time named. Sharp to the half hour, Colonel Sir James Damery was announced. It is hardly necessary to describe him. For many will remember that large, bluff, honest personality, that broad, clean-shaven face, and above all, that pleasant, mellow voice. Frankness shone from his grey Irish eyes, and good humour played round his mobile, smiling lips. His loosened top hat, his dark frock coat, indeed every detail from the pearl pin and the black satin cravat to the lavender spats over the varnished shoes, spoke of the meticulous care in dress for which he was famous. The big, masterful aristocrat, dominated the little room. Of course, I was prepared to find Dr. Watson. He bowed courteously. His collaboration may be very necessary, for we are dealing on this occasion, Mr. Holmes, with a man to whom violence is familiar, and who will literally stick at nothing. I would say that there's no more dangerous man in Europe. I have had several opponents to whom that flattering term has been applied. Holmes smiled gently. Don't you smoke? Then you will excuse me if I light my pipe. If your man is more dangerous than the late Professor Moriarty...